I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time. I've hit the button, okay? We're recording a podcast. Oh, my God. Hello and welcome to In The Pocket. My name's Johnny. And my name's Chris. Two totally average bass players and we're here to talk all about that bass. As well as answering your questions at home each week, we take a look at the latest news and break down some tones to give you the lowdown on the low end. Except we're not doing that this week. It's a Nam special, baby. Um, Chris, what is, what is Nam? Um, Nam is a form of bread that often accompanies a curry or other Indian dish. Absolutely. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, Delicious news this week uh, from Anaheim in America with their Nam convention. Um, (laughs) uh, No, Nam, of course, uh, is basically a big gathering of all companies and and content creators and such. They come together to uh, basically flog off all all their new gear and show it all off. In layman's terms, all right? It's it's probably a very technical uh, description for it, which we'll get onto. Um, but yeah, it's basically a lot of new gear gets announced and showed off. It's it's normally my favorite time of year um, for for being a big old nerd gearhead. Um, and speaking of gear, big old nerd uh, gearheads, we have a wonderful guest with us today. It's the one and only, the crustacean himself, Will, a.k.a. Low End Lobster. Hello there. Salutations. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Excellent. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Sorry, uh sorry for that introduction. You you deserve a lot better than that. <laughs> Bass playing uh, royalty uh joining us on our humble little podcast today. Not your first oh, you're, you're too kind. <laughs> Not your first time here, but it's you know it's a pleasure to have you back. Um so like I said, um now it's just been you have been to Nam with a host of all other uh, content creators and friends of the show. Um, how did you find it this year? Um, I was pleasantly surprised in some aspects, yet disappointed in other aspects. Um, there was a good turnout, but it wasn't the type of turnout that is really beneficial to the majority of players. Just loads of drummers. <laughs> Absolutely go for <laughs> oh. it. Yes, there was one section which was like right by the espresso too, and I'm an espresso fiend. So when we were going to get our espresso, it was just like <laughs> as you just hear like thousands of drummers try to solo on top of each other at the same time. Uh, but once I escaped that um, and found solace within the base area, we had a pretty good time. Uh, should we just get right into it? How, how, how do we want to do this? Yeah, I think so. I mean, did it have like, um, when you say the base area, was it kind of segmented then? I've never been before. Um, yeah, how big How big was the five meter square area that they were pushing <laughs> all of the bit? How big was the cupboard 
that they had us all in. So it was basically, it was basses and guitars were basically in the main area. Um, um, mix and match, but there was a lot of booths that focused mainly on bass. Bang. However, um, I would say that the majority of the cool stuff there was from the boutique side of things. Oh. So you had a great showing of boutique builders, both from the U.S. and from uh, other parts of the world. And you also had a nice showing of Japanese manufacturers, which was actually kind of odd, and I was surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, Oh. But... There weren't many, if any, new production bases from the regular manufacturers. Anything that you'd see under, like, you know, $2,000 or something like that, you really didn't see anything new. Yeah, which is, you know, and that's what normally makes the big headlines, isn't it? Because when I was looking at what had been released this week, I was kind of, you know, I had to go searching for a lot of things because nothing, this is the odd thing that jumped out, but some things, like, I had to really look for in some of this that wasn't really making much news um so it kind of showed to me that oh maybe there wasn't that many um more affordable stuff in there you know and it's gonna be more boutique stuff like you said um which in a way is a shame because we don't get so many accessible instruments for a lot of people but in another way you get some really cool and really nice looking uh basses to play i'm sure uh which we will dive into um i mean Shall we have a talk about um, the kind of basses that you did play when you were there? You know, what was a kind of standout thing for you? Oh, there were quite a few. Um, Let's see here. Where to start? Um, The boutique area was quite loaded, and Mr. Sheldon Dingwall was there with his uh, array of um, basses. He brought two custom D-Rocks. Uh, with really, really nice paint jobs. You can look those up online, the two Nam D-Rocks. They're almost like... I've seen them. Yeah, Hot Ride style ones. Oh, with the I've seen them. Well, those are gorgeous in person. Um, and he also had... Uh, there was Elise Sklar in a gorgeous plum. Nice plum color. And next to that was the brand new... Duran Duran. Yes, yes. So much, yes. Gorgeous. So cool. Uh, that pinstriping. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, Chris, I, I I thought it was going to be later in the episode when you exploded about this one. I know you've been excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been, talk- I've been talking about this since it leaked. Like, I, like normally, I, I'm a usually kind of a bit of a, like, fad person. You know, like, oh, this is a fad. This is a fad. I'm not particularly interested in this. But... That John Taylor dingwall, ever since I saw the leaked picture of it, I was like, I really want this. Like, that is a re. I'm not going to buy it because you'll find out, unlike every bass player in the world, I don't buy equipment unless I've been after it for like 18 months. Like, how many, what, Johnny, like two years for me to finally buy a dingwall, maybe? It's, a, it's been yeah. a journey. It's been a journey. And it's now been an here. emotional journey. And now you can't even get strings for it. <laughs> I know. <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> I've really, str- I've, ju- I've actually just got some. They're coming tomorrow. Wow! But it's taken me about six weeks to find somewhere that had the strings in stock, and even then, they're not the ones I wanted. Yeah, jeez. So by the time you get the next set of strings, you'll already be ready for a change. Exactly. Which is why I bought two sets. <laughs> Clever guy. <laughs> thinking this guy. 
Nice. Exactly. I'm, I was, and, and that's stupid. A part of me actually thought, I wonder if I can get flat wound strings for my ding wall so then I never have to change them. <laughs> but then I was thinking, don't put flats on a ding wall. That's like so counterproductive. But it would be cool though, wouldn't it? It would be good. I'd do it. <laughs> Why not? I see you being like... <laughs> There's some really great Pino Palladino lines. An octave down. <laughs> really need that extended scale to, to get those solid notes. Very um, true. Yeah. But yes, John Taylor Dingwall. Very, very, very cool. It's very cool. Yeah. I saw loads of stuff coming out from, uh, from the Dingwall stand. Just loads of people around it all the time. Did you get to play any of them at all, Will? Um, I didn't play any of the Dingwalls, uh, but I did play some other things in that boutique area that were pretty nice. One uh, standout company was uh, Adam Adamovich. Adamovic. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how to pronounce their company. Name. I'm sorry, guys, but you guys are awesome. Uh, they, had, they had three bases there that were um, gorgeous boutique instruments, and it turns out their U.S. distributor is 30 minutes from my house. Hey! Is your video coming soon? <laughs> what an yes. unfortunate com- uh, coincidence. <laughs> oh no, what a shame. It's round the corner from my house. What am I going to do? <laughs> but I found those bases really, really interesting because of the ergonomics. Um, the way they were carved out was different than other bases and they were meant to just really sit on your body and like not move and it was it was really neat to hold it very very comfortable you know that's just made me think I, I that's what i really like about the nam show often is that i mean we've reached a point where there's, there'll be tiny little innovations that people make but they're like game changers and you're like oh that's very cool like a very silly thing that we just haven't thought of yet like i saw a video i was doing watching some youtube Nam stuff last night um and i saw one it might be the same company i can't remember the name of it but it was so so simple that the jack was built into oh wow <laughs> that's an insane looking that six string uh unfortunately yeah it is six <laughs> string um the the jack was kind of built into the base behind the front of it so it kind of it carved in and then you put the jack in oh that was a Delvin. yes Delvin yes base. and so the, and yeah, and in his video, he kind of said so that when you're playing, the um, it naturally just falls behind you, the cable. He said, so you're less likely to trip over it. And I was like, what, what a great, simple thing. The um, It's probably not quite as good, but that's probably something that I quite like about my Dingwall. The, there's like a, a recession. <laughs> recession. Uh, ooh, it's like being in the UK. Oh, God. Um, there's, a re- there's a recess section for the input jack, which also points the uh, input jack upwards towards your strap. Uh, so it's very natural for you to come, you know, over the strap button, down into the input, and then it all locks in. It does mean, though, when you play with a right-angled jack, if you touch the jack, it will fall out. So that's not great. But it is a cool feature, um, and it's nice to see other... I'm not saying they invented it, because I remember having an old Ibanez that did that as well, but it is a cool ergonomic feature for the working musician. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so wow. I love stuff like that. Um, so lots of boutique stuff, lots of Japanese stuff. Um, sounds like there wasn't 
so many of your big household brand names there. I know they've kind of skipped out for a couple of years now, haven't they? There was, as far as like the, the I guess, household names, Reverend what is always a, a big presence at the show, and they always have a, a pretty large stand. Um, their bases, I like their bases a lot, but I feel like their attitude is kind of like, let's focus on the guitarists. Uh, like this year they had a bass amp, which they didn't last year, uh, except they didn't plug it in. So ne- maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> by, by, by they had a bass amp, you mean like they just brought one with them, not like a reverend bass amp, was it? Right, right, right. They just had one to play the basses with, which was, which was. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thanks, guys. Yeah. I... <laughs> uh, but they're, I, I like their basses a lot and they had a, they had a good showing. I think they, um, had a bunch of new finishes for their existing models. Music Man, same deal. New finishes on the Stingrays. Um, it's like the, like pastel, uh, kind of finishes. There's a vintage white, a seafoam green, a shell pink, and a blue. Yeah. I, I saw all of those, and what? Well, I suppose we we should probably just dive into to all of the announcements now. I suppose, um, and all those bits. And um, I'm going to change the order up a little bit because uh, we'll talk about those Stingrays first of all, because um, that was one of the probably one of the bigger brands that were there. Um, I was getting really excited, right? Because Sterling, I saw some incredible new guitars coming out, and the finishes looked. Insane, and they got is it a new shape for the Music Man that they've got on one of the guitars. There's like a slightly more contemporary shape that I didn't recognise. Oh, it's the um, it's the Tosin Abassi, yeah, the Tosin Abassi collaboration, which oh, is it looks really cool. Yeah, t- from Animals as Leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that that was a collaboration one. Yeah, very cool. Um, and it's like that perfect balance between contemporary and and traditional that like made it stand out. Anyway, enough about guitars. Um. I saw those and got really excited because I was like, this is going to be awesome. What's the bass got? Nothing from Sterling. And then like some, just some new okay-ish colors from the Stingray special. I, I'm a shell pink guy. Okay. I could say in confidence, we're probably all shell pink guys. Who doesn't like shell pink? Okay. Um, but just don't know what it is. That one just isn't hitting it for me. Um, so I, I wasn't really that impressed with those with those new colours. Hey, to, hey, to start things out on a downer, I know. What? Wow. It's not like us at all. No, 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 no. We're normally so perky and happy. Um, but yeah, there's... I expect Music Man was quite a busy booth this year, wasn't it? Uh, decently. I mean, they, they had their guitar showings. They had the four basses. Um, and then they had Sterling by Music Man kind of on the other side of the wall. It was an it was an okay booth. Um, it was right next to uh, Rickenbacker's um, guitar and bass jail. <laughs> yeah, because the- so it's just an empty, a giant empty space with just all these guitars hanging, and you can't pick them up or do anything with them. Wow! <laughs> and like nobody's there, right? And you, if you go up there and uh, ask how much one of them is, you just get punched in the face. <laughs> uh, and they're like, "Do you like that feeling?" No. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like to buy one ask yeah. again wow it doesn't buy you you no you buy it it buys you <laughs> <laughs> okay um wow i guess on the topic of innovations uh back to devon bass he had a strong showing um and had a bunch of different bases showing off all his uh neat innovations which he's been uh tinkering with so 
He has like cavity covers, which are almost like the full side of the base and it's all magnetic. So you can just pop it right off. Same with the battery cover. Um, and then he's experimenting with, uh, preamp and pickup modules that are magnetic and swappable. That's, that's the so, future. Like, is that what, is that what I sent you, Johnny? Is that from that company? Do you know what? I think it might be, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was like a swappable preamps and swappable pickups. Just fine. Yep. That is so cool. That was a thing in Summer Nam two years ago. Uh, not from him, but there were other guitar companies experimenting with those ideas of hot swappable pickups and i some implementations were good some i think needed a little bit more work uh i liked devon's um preamp swapping thing it's uh you basically have a module which he said like i'm assuming 3d prints and then sets the sets up the preamp in there with these gold contacts and i'm assuming he sets it up so the contacts will go to the particular pot that it's supposed to um so that's really cool with the pickups, though, you have to swap them from the front of the base. And I'm like, oh, so you still need to remove your strings. Um, where some of the innovations we saw a couple of years ago at NAM on the guitars were going in from the back of the body, where you had almost a, a block that had the pickup in it, and then you just put the block in from the back. Well, yeah, and you've also got the, the Dan Armstrong guitars that the uh, pickup drops, drops in, I think, at an angle. It's the one that Dave Grohl plays on the, uh, uh, oh, what Foo Fighters song is it? All My Life. It's got one big pickup that sort of that slides in and out. Yeah, you've got a good point there. Slide, it dropping in from the front is cool, but one of the annoying things about changing pickups is you've got to take the strings off and you've still got to do that. So then it's basically just a solderless pickup, which we already have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm, I, I, I'm... EMG wants to have a word with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A very nice man at EMG is on the phone, uh, and he's not very happy. <laughs> very angry, man. Keeps swearing at me. Um, I think that like those. I'm more for like the more modular stuff, though. I think that there's absolutely a uh, lot more to come from that, and I think that as it becomes more wildly available, like can you imagine if someone like well, like Fender like starts doing something. I don't think they ever will. Um, but if they started doing something like that and make it an industry. Uh, standard almost to, to have something like that. I think it's very cool, but I don't know where pickup manufacturers then sit within yeah. that because uh, everyone's kind of would have their own, I guess, kind of pickups so you could swap in and out. It would probably end up being a case where let's pretend you bought a Spectre, for example. You can put Spectre modular pickups in it and Spectre modular preamps, but they're not going to then fit in your fender modular jazz bass uh, it'll all be but it'd be cool if you were like i can see the disadvantage of it something like using spectre as an example they have so many different preamps and you've got the tone pump you could put a dark glass preamp in there there's angular preamps and stuff that would be really cool if they had a modular system where you could own one spectre and then you could add on different preamps so if you did i don't know in your five-string metal band, you can put a dark glass preamp in there, an EMG PM, preamp, preamp, <laughs> or uh, my preamp, my my tone pump preamp. It's <laughs> oh no, <laughs> uh, oh god. Um, but then if you had like a jazz gig, you could go to I, I don't know what an appropriate preamp would be for a jazz gig. Probably no preamp would be appropriate for a jazz gig. But but at the same time though. 
the disadvantage of that, and I'm using Spectre again as an example, is they can probably sell you a full base with an EMG system in it. And then there will be people who will buy another Euro 5 with a different preamp in it. So there are, so that's $5,000 worth of business instead of one $2,000 base and a $600 preamp. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. From... It is cool, though. I, I wish that would be a thing. I just have a feeling evil men in suits will ruin <laughs> it for us. Yeah. But they... You would almost need to. You would almost need like a, a third party company that would have to basically take over, like the light, like basically work with all the manufacturers, say you know, license this stuff, and uh, yeah, it would be a, a, a whole thing. It'll never happen. And then, yeah, no. no. Then you'd also have to work with them. Pre- yeah, no, that wouldn't be yeah, happen. No. Uh, another company that wasn't really there but i i did a video on the base i think la- late last year was this brubaker uh jbx or jxb2 i think that's what it, what it was called but it had a um a swappable it was a jazz base that had a swappable control plate that had the whole had the three 3d printed module so you could just take out the control plate and it would have all the the preamp and everything in there as one bit and then you just pop a new one in oh okay it was all solderless as well with the with gold contacts. A similar concept, but it was all under the jazz plate versus just being its own little standalone things. I agree with uh, Johnny though that it's really cool to see this level of modularity um, make its way into like you know guitars and basses and stuff. Yeah, of course we'll get treated last. The guitarists will get it. I love it, <laughs> and then we'll get it. A bit like I think there's more chance of drummers getting modular preamps before we do personally. <laughs> yeah. Modular drums. Whoa. That's just called changing your drums. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you actually, if you're good, with, I mean, if you're good with a screwdriver and a soldering iron, everything is modular. Exactly. <laughs> and that, that's, that's Will's philosophy. <laughs> this base is this base is my canvas. I am the artist. I know. Watch me mod this base so it's now nothing like the original. <laughs> this is really good. The original terrible. Although, yeah, that's well, that's what I plan on doing with my um, Sterling uh, Stingray. Oh, really? Now. Yeah, yeah. And I've been re going back and re-watching uh, Will's videos to be like, what preamp and pickup do I actually want to put in here? Because I think that's, I mean, what's lacking. You should hit up Mister East. Oh, yeah. He's because he, he he's your neighbor. That's true. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even think about these things. I'm like, oh, yeah, should do that, shouldn't I? Yeah, because they're. I mean, I don't know where they're based in the country. But you know, can't be that bad. Bumble. I wanted to say Bumble Clumps, but I just like saying Bumble Clumps. He's not in Bumble Clumps, <laughs> no, but that's where I am. So, are we about to do the American British thing where you say Newcastle is round the corner from where Johnny lives? Yeah, knowing <laughs> knowing full well it's a three hour drive, but that's like a drive to Walmart and back in America. So where I'm in in Massachusetts, every it's actually very small, and it, like you, in two hours I could get to like the other end of the state lengthwise. Yes, but two hours is ages. Yeah, to us, well, as half half the country. <laughs> Bugger that! I've just I've just had to ask Johnny just before you arrived, really nicely, if you'll drive one hour to come and see me play later in the year. <laughs> And I was like, as I asked the question, I was like, there's no way he's going to do this. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do this, and I'm in the band. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ooh, 
that's just over what I would. <laughs> but I'll think about it, Chris. And well, yeah, I mean, I don't. But to be fair, we are. I think in this country, especially when it comes to gigs, we are spoiled. Like, like I won't go to London for a gig. I'm not driving three hours to watch a band that I like. I'm just not doing it. Driving an hour is a stretch. Like John Mayer isn't playing in my half of the country, and I'm fuming. Where is it? Well, I th- not in Manchester. No, he's only doing um, the O2 and Glasgow. Oh, right, right up his heads. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, nice one. Um, anyway, we should probably anyway. talk more. Back to speaking. Speaking of gigs, what is uh, what is one thing that makes uh, gigging kind of difficult as a basis? The fact no one can hear you. Yeah, no, and no <laughs> one respects you. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, gear wise, gear wise, <laughs> uh, uh, hauling cabs around. Uh, one standout booth was the gr booth at nam which had the carbon fiber base cabs exposed carbon fiber gorgeous double ooh nice the 410 weighed like 28 pounds or something like that hang on we've got an international barrier here (laughs) need the need the converter oh oh, yeah um, whole frame how many stones is that oh yeah 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 how many handguns does that weigh yeah. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh wow <laughs> I was actually going to say something a lot worse which I will say to you off air but we'll, well, I will not be saying that Johnny to translate to um, a more civilised system okay um, that's 12 kilos that's not a lot I've had bases I've had bases that weigh more than that 410 I've I've done stuff in bathrooms that way more than that. But <laughs> jeez, <laughs> just as joyful. Wait, and that's a lift. A, sorry, a, a will that's for a four by ten cab. Yes, and it's just my cab boy. Hang on, that is absolutely wild. I, I mean, average. I mean, I think mine is like thirty odd kilograms. So I've got the Laney Nexus cab, which is supposed to be quite light. Let me have a look. But yeah, that, like. I was at the, the Birmingham guitar show a couple of months ago, um, and I met someone there that was saying, like, I don't know why everyone's going down the light cab route. Like, we want it to be heavy and, like, big. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, I don't. No, you don't. Uh, my cabinet, my 410 is 22 kilos. So, and double the weight, basically. Wow. And I, and, you know, I pick that up and go, this isn't too heavy. This is okay. So half that, I mean, I don't want to brag, boys, but, I bicep curl more than 12 kilos. So, <laughs> wow, <laughs> slip that in. I want this cab. I want this cab a lot now. I used to have one of those Ampeg, the 410 HLFs with the extended range speakers that weighed like in kilograms 36. And I used to have to haul that in my Mark 1 Volkswagen Cabriolet. You nice. put the top down and then you just toss it over the back into the back seats, <laughs> put the top back up. <laughs> Wow, kids in the back. That was a pain. And then I switched to an AccuGroove Tri 112L. That's like a boutique cab. I got that probably like 13 or 14 years ago. And that's 14 and a half kilograms. So the fact that, and that's like, it's a smaller cab. It's a 112 with a six inch speaker and then a couple tweeters. A 410 being lighter than that is ridiculous. That is very, that is very impressive. I remember my, the guitarist in one of my old bands, 
had a uh, orange 4x12 guitar cabinet that I swear to God had concrete in the bottom of it. I swear <laughs> to God. Two people, you know, one person on each handle carrying it upstairs. I rem- I, I swore at my friend Matt so much when we were in that band because, well, then again, I was also a guitarist in that band in my former life. Um, but I just brought a Kemper, just a Kemper in You're a little like, bag. Oh, it's heavy, isn't it? Bloody <laughs> hell. Oh, it's, oh, I feel like the vocalist. It's <laughs> so light. Yeah, my, my heaviest has been the, I had an Eden XLT 410. Absolute ton. Metric ton, that thing, weighed. It was heavier than my Ampeg SVT 610 that I had. And I, that, that I very rarely picked that up because it was so heavy, you know, because it could just wheel it everywhere. And I was like, oh, that's all right, I'll downsize because I want something a bit lighter and easier on the back. No, no. Best sounding cab I've had, but absolutely not. Um, Speaking of, I suppose, whilst we're in the, the realm of amps and cabs, um, I did see that um, Trace Elliott had some new amps on show. Did you visit their boat booth at all, Will? I did not. Okay, moving on. Yeah, next. Moving on. <laughs> uh, they've got the t- they've announced the TE twelve hundred bass amplifier head. Uh, it is quite a small, you know, sizable head. It's only got yeah, you know, it's like gain, bass, low, mid, high, mid, uh, compressor output, treble controls on there. So it seems like a small class D kind of looks really small on top of your cab type head. But it's twelve hundred watts. That I. Yep. It's, a, it's lot. a lot. That, that has got to be the biggest wattage to to base head size ratio that I've seen. Um, it's crazy. Uh, and it costs about 1,225 uh, British pounds, but I'm guessing it's not far off in, in US dollary dues. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'll be honest, and people are going to hate me for this, I'm not a big Trace Elliott fan. Um, they don't really interest me all that much. I've only ever played one. I've played a Trace Elliott combo amp at a bar gig, and um, it was pretty good. It had a lot of features, like a lot of features. And it sounded pretty good, but I've never played anything else. And I think that might have been one of the sort of like budget side. It's like a big 1x12 cab, maybe, or a 2x10. But it had so many different sort of blend in this and you had a you had a bass mid treble eq but then also an actual like parametric eight band eq and you could turn one off and the other on or have them both on and, and decide which order the which order the eq went into the other eq and i was like in my head thinking i played bass let's just let's just slow this down a little bit okay does it go loud does it go like can can anyone hear me no okay Perfect. That's, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yes. I haven't learned the songs. I hope no one can hear me. Like I said, you bring the sex appeal. That's what you need. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so yeah, uh, new stuff from Trace Elliott. Whilst we're on the topic of bass amps and rigs and stuff like that, I saw um, the uh, British friends of Ashdown uh, had a new studio mini rig that they had there with a uh, 2x10 cab. Um, you said yes with excitement. Then, Will, did you visit their booth? They had a nice, they had a really nice booth. I didn't, I didn't play that any of the uh, amps and anything, but they had their uh, the bases out too. That's what I want to get I onto. I like their base models. 
that they collaborated with uh, Dan Lakin with the, the, the founder of Lakeland. Yes. I reviewed one a while ago when they first came out. It was like the Thunderbird style one that was going to be originally a Lakeland oh. John Entwistle signature. Oh, really? Then he he died, and then so in memory they sold it off. Yeah, and then they just yeah. Well, then he never made he never made the design as part of Lakeland, and then he just. Uh, Made it with the Ashdown, so I think that's pretty. I think it's cool. called the Lowrider, isn't it? With Ashdown, yes. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, and what's really cool, and I met and spoke with the Ashdown peeps uh, at the uh, UK's Mini Nam in in Birmingham, uh, which is nowhere near on the same scale. Um, I saw them there and played some of their um, Far East made bases that they're bringing out, um, and. I was super impressed with that. I played a shell pink jazz bass with a roasted maple neck and it played and sounded really good, really good. You know, it's it's, it's kind of around that Squire classic vibe budget, um, I think. Um, and yeah, it was awesome. Um, and they're uh, doing uh, the lowrider as well. Um, so incredibly excited to to chat one of those out. I've, I've put my name on the list. So I was like, hey, before they come out, you better send me one. They're like, okay, okay, we will. Speaking of our uh, of our friends to the far east, uh, the showing of ja- the Japanese shops was quite nice and somewhat unexpected as well. Um, FGN was there as part of uh, Legator. So Legator is going to be doing the U.S. distributorship of FGN. And uh, so they shared a booth, and FGN is finally bringing the Mighty Power, the double oh, P base, to the US. That wasn't available before. Nice. I I really want to try a double P. It's awesome. I'll just, I'll just let that sit. Just let that sit there. Yeah, I'll have the PP. Um, yeah, because I've only when I heard yours, um, Will, on your channel, I was like, yes, that sounds so good, and it should sound so wrong, and it looks so wrong, um, but. Yes, it does. It sounds so good. And a single coil in that position just paired up. Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, that's really cool. I'm a big fan of FGM. Um, Chris, have you had any kind of, like, what's your experience with, have you had any with FGN or, like, Japanese-made instruments? Um, I've never heard of FGN. Sounds interesting. Uh, well, yeah, my Eurodyne's Japanese. And um, guess who made them? Is it FGN who made that? I think. Maybe uh, so. They're one of two OEMs for Fender out of Japan. Oh, okay, my jazz bass. Well, I can't stand my Eurodyne, so that's not <laughs> a good. That's not a good point for them. <laughs> it wasn't that. It wasn't that. No, it wasn't them. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It was Sire. Uh, uh, Behringer. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, no, I mean, it's, my Aerodyne's all right. It just plays like an absolute train wreck. It just needs someone to sit it down, and I, re- I reckon the neck might be bowed really heavily. There's uh, The person before me did not treat it well, and I can't really be bothered fixing it. So I do need to fix it, but yeah, I'm sure Japanese bases are great. I'm just, I just, my only example is a, a pretty crap example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm really excited for FGN to be, you know, doing more of their own stuff worldwide because, I, you know, that's my jazz base that I've got is one of the best jazz bases I've played myself. I absolutely love it. Um, it's, for lack of a better word, absolutely slaps. Um, so yeah, big, oh. FGN also had a new expert model, which was really nice. So it was a four-string jazz bass. It was the Top of the Lion jazz bass, probably coming out around 2,000 US dollars or 2,000 pounds, I'm guessing. And it was gorgeous, gorgeous jazz bass, had a nice torque guard, and then a two-band preamp, which is something that you... Those are usually a passive instrument, so uh, it had a two-band, and it was a nice sounding two-band as well. Nice. Oh, good on them. I'm so proud. Um, oh, nice. That's cool to hear. Yeah, like, and for that amount of money, I mean, you expect a little summon extra in there as well, don't you? So it's just a standard passive. Cool. And then uh, Aria was there as well. Oh, are they really? Yes. And they had both of the Japanese showings, like the uh, like the Cliff Burton uh-huh. model. And they also had the um, a few of their, their budget ones, like the, from the Pro 2 line. Yeah, well, that's what I, you know... I, Growing up, associated Aria with like really cheap bases that you find in your local music shop or in school, we had a load, you know. Um, but then that their, their heritage from the, especially the Japanese made stuff as well is so good. Um, really cool vintage bases that they do and, and continue uh to do, just like the Cliff Burton one. I think those kind of models. my friend Chris is on an Aria kick right now and he actually just got an SB 1000 five string. And a four string, and it gets like four or five R- Japanese arias wow. now, like really nice ones. Like, damn guy, <laughs> that's pretty cool. And I, I had one, I had one years ago, uh, and it was it was up for sale for like two hundred pounds or something ridiculous. And it was a nineteen eighty five. Um, which one it was? I think it had it had two pickup, no, single pickup one. It was, um, but it was like all cream with gold hardware, made in Japan. It was great. Um, I sold that on for a healthy profit uh, when I got rid of it, sadly. But very cool bases. Um, the I've I've messed up my order of my list, um, so I'm going to try and fumble my way through this. Uh, I'm going to start at the top. Uh, one of the first announcements that I saw um, was Evertune have done a bass bridge, which yeah, great, cool. I've never played a guitar with an Evertune, but. I've watched a lot of Premier Guitar Rig Rundowns, and every time they've got one with an Evertune, they're like, I'll never go back. This is it for me now. Like, this is the best thing in the world. Um, and yeah, fair play. We've got finally got like a high mass bass bridge from Evertune. Um, and that is, you know, it's meant to make the intonation really good and, you know, essentially, as said in the name, keep it in tune uh, for a long old time. So, Pretty cool. Um, does this appeal to either of you, this kind of bridge? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, Chris, what, you know, 
explain yourself. I just detest tuning instruments with a fiery passion. I just think, I just like the idea of it being rock solid and sustainable, especially going on tour, because I live in fear of getting out of the van and the temperature change of the cold from the van to the venue, maybe doing something to the bridge or the neck. If then again, I guess if the next bust doesn't actually matter, does it? Because the Evertune bridge doesn't fix the neck. Um, I just like the idea of the stability, but but also though, this might be, I would very much like to try it on bass. I have tried one on guitar and was very, very impressed. It saves a lot of time when you're recording guitar because you just pick the guitar up and you can track, double track, track, double track. You can just non-stop because normally what you'd have to do is you'd have to tune every string, you know, in between each take. You need to double check everything constantly. It's easier for a guitar string to go out of tune a little bit as you press down on the neck because ultimately the strings are thinner at the end of the day. It's more noticeable as well. Exactly. With a bass, I mean, if, you, if you've if you got a problem where your fretting hand is just, you know, you, you're gripping that wood way too hard, you are going to encounter some problems. But it's not as noticeable really on bass. And then I've noticed bass guitars tend to hold the tuning a lot better. But at the same time, if I was going on a, I don't know, let's a 60-date world tour. In fact, this is completely irrelevant because if I was going on a 60-date world tour, I would have a tech and it would be their problem, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> so I don't care. This is redundant. Next, Moving Evertune on. are putting techs out of business. Is that what you're saying? Everything. <laughs> everything puts techs out of business, <laughs> mate. I used to be a guitar tech. Used to. That's the key, right? Used to. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well... My thoughts on the uh, on the Evertune are: I don't necessarily think that the guitar technology is translating the bass properly or like in a meaningful way. Um, there's a lot of benefits that guitar players will get from things like you know Evertune bridges and stuff like that in in, re- in regards to intonation that and tuning stability, especially when you have locking tuners and stuff. Um, that we don't benefit from. We're not using, there's no real bass locking tuners because we don't need locking tuners because we have big ass things that just stay put. High quality tuners from like Hipshot or Goto or something like that are going to stay put. They're going to stay in tune. And I never really found myself like saying, oh no, my bridge has gone out of whack i mean it usually has springs and screws it stays where it is unless it's a really really shitty bridge and then in that case i'll change it but the thing about the evertune it requires routing you need to route a cavity on the body where i can get a hip shot i can get a goto i can get any number of an alt bridge any other type of replacement bridge that will do the same thing and i can just swap it in don't need to get a router out and you go to town. So then once you've done it, you're, you're stuck with that bridge, right? Because otherwise, I mean, I don't know what the routing looks like underneath. It's big. It's big. It's big, big old You hole. can't then put anything else. It's going to have to be bigger than the Evertune bridge to to have something to, for the screws to go into, you know, if you want to re- go back to something else. Um, so it's, it's a risk, I think. It kind of sounds like the ultimate benefits of the Evertune lend more to the problems that a guitarist would face you know smaller strings more delicate touches required 
did Evertune do a... No, I was going to say I thought Emma... Emmerdale. Emmerdale. I thought Emmerdale. Uh, Edam Cheese. I thought Evertune did a, um, like a whammy bar, but I think I've just made that up in my head. That's completely wrong. But yes, it, it just seems like the, the advantages of the Evertune play closer or more aligned to the issues a guitarist would face. Because I don't, I don't think I've ever really had an, an, an intonation problem on the bass. That's happened on the fly. It sounds like the problems they're trying, like in the in the demo video that they did for it, it was like, oh, you know that problem when you when you uh, hit a note and it goes out of tune in the sustain, like the attack is in tune with the sustain. And I was like, no, that just sounds like a that just sounds like a setup issue. Like all of these things could be remedied with a decent setup. Um, it's it's like those uh, as seen on TV commercials, like. A bass is coming out. Yeah. Like, does this happen when you play bass? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. To become a guitar player, exactly. Wow. Well, so I feel like uh, that's plenty on the on the Evertune bass bridge. And I'm, you know, I'm all for innovation, but um, maybe not where it's not required. Um, next up is one that I don't think was. Well, it definitely wasn't announced at NAM because this company was not at NAM. Um, but around the time, they just kind of slipped this one out, and I wanted to talk about it because everyone that I've spoken to about it has been like, "Oh my god!" Uh, and Fender have just released another um, special run uh, of the just the player P base in British racing green. My favorite. Yes, so good. Um, I've seen stuff like British Race Green with like a gold anodized pit guard like oh my god these things so good um it's just in the player series I've said it before on this podcast I absolutely love it when uh they do their FSR runs of stuff um but then it does make me scared about ever buying a Fender product new or something like that because I'm like well down the line they're probably going to release this in another color that I'm going to fall head over heels for um but hey very cool are you googling pictures of it now <laughs> british racing green is a hundred percent like one of my favorite finishes of all time the mazda mx5 miata with the british the first gen oh. with the british racing green and the and the t- saddle tan interior mm. Mm. <laughs> it, it takes me to like aston martin british racing green what i think of oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just absolutely insane um so if you want if you want to feel like james bond you could also uh, do that with a new Fender P bass. I don't think I don't think James Bond would play a P bass. What do you, now this is a this could be a whole podcast. I don't have I don't have a follow up. I didn't prepare. I I don't think I don't think James Bond would play a bass. He would definitely have an Evertune. He'd definitely have an Evertune bridge on it though. I think. Oh, like like Q has made him an Evertune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It takes his fingerprint, and that's the only way that it works, and things like that. And if anyone else touches the bass, it like blows up, shoots a dart out the end. Try to adjust the intonation. The the set screw will shoot out <laughs> lethally, aiming at. <laughs> Pay attention, Bond. <laughs> Bond, stop slapping. Bond, come back. Bond, stop soloing in the bridge. <laughs> you'll you'll shoot the darts. Ah, oh. that James Bond would not play bass. I, I can't see James Bond play the best. James Bond is a lead guitarist, and we all know oh, it. shut up. No, no, no. Q would play best. I reckon Q is the thinking man's approach. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> right, I, I'm on board with this now. Or like the villain. The villain of the movie would play best. Like Davey 504 would make a great Bond villain. Oh my God, he would. Let's get him on here and, uh, and, and tell him that. 
just pitch the film to him. Yeah. Are you in? No? Okay. So like, this sounds like a good viral video. The man with the golden slap. <laughs> the, literally the man with the golden thumb. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We've peaked. We've peaked. We may as well stop now, everyone. Uh, good speak, work. Here's a segue. Speaking of gold. Um, very nice. Uh, I could go in any direction here. Uh, Dingwall, back to Dingwall, um, have done a collaboration pedal with good friends at Dark Glass uh, for, to celebrate their 35th anniversary. Um, I didn't know they had a birthday coming up. Well, I mean, everyone has a birthday coming up every year, but a milestone. That's how it works. Yeah, that is how life works. Um, but a milestone of 35 years for Dingwall and they've collaborated with their best friends at Dark Glass to do a drive pedal. Um, now, it is, you know, another drive pedal from Dark Glass. Um, it looks great. I've not heard it yet. That's the only thing. I, I haven't heard any demos of it or anything yet. Um, it's available. It costs £200. Um, it's a pretty simple looking pedal compared to ones that they've done uh, before. Um, but it has a, it's more like Dingwall branded and it's black and gold and it looks very lovely. But from like when they did the announcement, it had like distorted bass in the background. And I was just like, that could be any dark glass pedal. <laughs> I can't, I can't tell anymore uh, what that is that's, that's different. Um, and it might be not different at all. It's only got three knobs on it, actually, it is drive level and tone. So there. There you go. What what do you make of this? The um the blend is locked at fifty percent, which I thought was quite cool. Is it? Interesting. Yes. Eric told me. Ah, yes. So it has a blend, but you can't control it, which is fine. I'm okay with that because I guess you could just turn the level up, and that will make the drive a bit louder. Maybe. Yeah, I do always. Or you could just give us a blend knob. You know. Mm. Ah, so it has got one, but it's on the inside, Chris. Is that okay? Oh, shut up. <laughs> not this again. It's, it's not, it's not. I'm Do you like Velcro? <laughs> not anymore. No, 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 no. I hate that stuff. Like, Spectre does that when they use the dark glass preamp on their bases. It's like, I, I, I put a dark glass in a Spectre, just use the stacked pot. It's like $10. Put it in the new... Less. Look, call, call Stumac and buy like four of them for a tenner. Yeah. I always really love um, marketing copy for music brands. I love reading it because sometimes you can you can sniff out when something's a bit BS. <laughs> um, so like this is in like the second, and I'm not slaying this pedal. I'm sure it's great. It looks nice. The pedigree's there. It's probably fantastic. But I just found this funny in the copy. Um, Go on. In the in the second sentence, it says, aside from the engaged switch in brackets, which illuminates a very cool LED. Okay, like every pedal ever, <laughs> a very oh, I've got a really cool LED. Not just a cool one. I'm I'm picturing I'm picturing this being read like you know in Austin Powers where Doctor Evil asks for a million dollars, and ever and it's like everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, a, a million Brazilian gajillion. They're like, whoa, and they when they t- when they tell him he should ask for a hundred billion, he just stops and goes, shit. <laughs> it's when he asked for like yeah it's 100 million they're like yeah fine have it <laughs> yeah throw me a freaking bone here throw me a freaking bone <laughs> nice. anyway i'm sorry please continue with the stupid led that, that was it that was it it's just is that what no no there's more to it but like oh, i just okay. liked that bit in, in 
in brackets. That... Do you remember? Do you remember the the other week when we were talking about the dark glass compressor, and it, and it, they managed to put the words soft and hard in the same sentence, and it was so like. Do you remember this? It was like really Alan Partridge. Oh yeah, <laughs> marketing. Like, are you really? Come on, you know what you're writing here. <laughs> Stop it. Go from soft to hard, <laughs> just like that. You uh, dark glass metal. <laughs> So it's back to their tone pump. They know what they're doing. I know exactly. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Sounds good. Um, one um one thing that I just uh, stumbled on that I forgot to mention. There was one cool non-bass innovation, but this is for all guitars. And I think this is one thing that I hope to see more of in the future. There was magic paint oh, yes. that can change colors. I told you about this, Chris. You you got to have a look. Electric ink. Yeah, so it's basically um, the paint has a, a magnetic component to it that will react to the charge of a 9-volt battery. So when it disengaged, it'll be one color, and then when engaged, it'll be a different color. And for this, they did black and white, but they said they can do any two colors, and they're, they're you know, experimenting with it, but they had a prototype there. It was just going from black to white to black to white, just like... I found that. I found that so... I, I didn't know what I was looking at when I saw the videos of it. I was like, what? Yeah, but what's the what's the practical purpose? What turns it from black to white? You can flip a switch. <laughs> if you sound good, it changes. Oh, well, there's no point in me buying that. There's red. Um, red. <laughs> um, so you would flick a switch and the paint would change colour. Yes. Now... I'm still trying to think of a reason why I would want this. Why would I want this? Well, because, because it sometimes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because uh, some you know sometimes you just want. I don't think there's a practical purpose. I think for a, a, a higher end performative purpose, there could be benefits for someone like performing at a really large show if there is maybe some sort of synchronization with the soundboard Uh, where i'm about to take a really cool solo and then my guitar changes from one color to another everybody look at me now it's connected by a midi that would be pretty cool (laughs) that's probably not a bad idea midi would be cool something like that could like really work how how does the how does the paint you two probably don't know this it's not like you work for the company I was thinking, how does the paint actually connect to the electrical signal? Because in my head, I'm thinking, couldn't we just use an LED? You got it. I think there's <laughs> there's uh, some sort of magnetic sheet or something ah. below it that that mm. gives a magnetic field that will make it either positive or negative, and then cause the. You, you got to go and look at it. It's very. Cool. It's pretty cool. You'll have you'll have to forgive me, like as a as a northern English man. Whenever I hear anything, I'm like, "How's that bloody work?" <laughs> I'm not doing that. There's no use for that. I've got sharpies. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very cool though. You need to see it. I didn't know what I was looking at. I was like, "What? How? What is this?" It's definitely going to be a step up from uh, the house paint guitar that I'm gonna I'm gonna try this spring or something. I kind of wait to see that. What colour are you going to go for, though? I don't know yet. British Racing Green. <laughs> it's got to be that or... um, uh, Oh, what's the really... Ro- Magnolia. Be a Magnolia base. There you go. Oh. These are, these are, those are really good suggestions, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a lot of Magnolia paint for you, if you'll know. 
Because it's a multi-scale. Have you ever heard of uh, combine guitars? Well, down here in Somerset, I should have heard of that. Not a good combine, they're, but they're out of they're out of Canada. But they do like kit guitars, like uh, oh, they, okay. this comes in a box with like the body and the neck and all the electronics. Yeah. And they do like crazy multi-scale ones. And I'm like, hey, you want a sending one? They're like, okay. And that was like two years ago. But I still chat with them every now and then. I still have to build it. <laughs> and busy. Sorry about that. Lead time. Long, long backlog of uh, long lead time. time. Listen, do you have any idea how long it takes to edit these videos? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> long time. I'm still on it. I mean, if it works, if that excuse works for Steven Spielberg, it can work for anyone. Exactly. It, it's it's kind of funny when like some people don't realize like when you release a video, it's not you, you didn't just film it. Oh, I do. At the rate I'm going at the minute, I basically am. <laughs> so like everything, like any time a video comes up for me, it's usually like it's, I filmed it probably like two months ago. Okay, so that's a good backlog of content. Most of my social media content follows this narrative. Oh shit! I haven't posted anything for a while. I should do a reel. <laughs> <laughs> that will help my engagement. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Everyone's going to forget about me. This is the end of my career. <laughs> Find an audio and film your bass now. <laughs> Done. Can't premium Done. content. Post. Oh, six likes. Yay! <laughs> Johnny hasn't commented on it. <sighs> For Darren. Move. Guilty. Guilty. Not enough knobs in the picture. No. Nowhere near. No, no, no. Nothing on the back. I was going to get T-shirts done with knobs on it. Um, but I wasn't sure how to make it something someone would actually buy. I saw a t-shirt the other day from, um, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. He has a YouTube channel. He's like a session bass player. and I think he lives in Nashville. Um, oh, he's got a really good channel. I can't remember. I, the name's the names left me. He had a t-shirt on that said resting bass face on it. And I was ah. like, that's really cool. I really want that t-shirt. Just a black t-shirt with white text. And it was like tiny. You know, like the French Connection T-shirts, yeah. just a little bit of text. It just said "resting bass face." So I need that. I need that. Love that a lot. I had an idea for one that was a, a trash bin with the the Fender gold foil base sticking out of it, and it says "tin foil travesty." Oh, ooh. <laughs> have you had another one of those back yet? No. So um, I've been meaning to go. So there's a guy uh, about 40, 45 minutes away. Um, he, he's a guitar builder who has a ridiculous shop and a plec machine. And I've been having him plec some of my basses. And he is like a ridiculous shop. Um, like I, I've been to, was it Mike Tobias's shop at MTD? And his shop is literally just a, a shed on his front lawn where some of the greatest basses in the world are made. And it's so tight in there. But this guy's shop that's 45 minutes away is like huge and super organized and like, uh, like meticulous, but I'm gonna have him reposition the bridge on that and like fix it, and then I'll do a like a, a follow up. Yeah, but uh, shame about that. I, I guess this isn't really related, but I have something to show you. Actually, oh my God, God, everyone, I'm leaving this in. He's taking. His I'm leaving off. this in. Oh my God, I'm I'm le- <laughs> I'm leaving this in. Oh my God, he's got a guitar. Ah! <laughs> Is that a drum kit? He's smashing it up. <laughs> Who's that person okay. tied up in the corner? Yeah. Listen, well, asking too many questions. Too many questions. <laughs> so they got here. So they got oh my god, oh. that's the set. Shoot. Ooh. 
Nub, don't say what it is. Yeah. Don't tell anyone who's listening. Don't let them know. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. That's Check gonna... out his horse. Was... It cost half the price of, of, of the Fender. Yeah. And it has two of those. Yeah, that's very cool, isn't it? Each one of those pickups is $200. <laughs> and the base is about that price. <laughs> Love it. I mean, I have a free, I have a, a three hundred pound EMG set in a seventy five pound Squire base. This is the way. I have spoken. Got to be done. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> Lovely. Um. So the next one I want to talk about is Labella. Um. Famous for their flat wound strings. Um. I wasn't too familiar with their bass lineup that they did before. I know they make expensive like P basses and jazz bass kind of copies. Big bucks. Um, the thing that stood out for me is their little like Mustang style short scale they have now. Um, cool. I mean, I have got written down that it's the Alinto short scale, which is just like the Alinto is just their P base. Um, but it's just short scale. Version. So Alinto is the brand. Um, that's their that's what the, the, their bases are called. It's Alinto by Labella, and they're produced by Massino out in uh, upstate New York. Um, they are so nice. Oh, like they play so well. And yeah, they're like, they're like $6,000 or so. Oh my goodness. Like a ridiculous amount of money. I just expected that. But you play it and you're like, this is the greatest. Like I played one of their jazz basses when I was there and it had flats on it. And it was one of the nicest jazzes I've just ever played ever. But like. I've never heard spending six thousand dollars on a jazz. I'm never spending six thousand pounds on anything ever. Car? <laughs> no, 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 no. No house? Don't be silly. <laughs> but yeah, they they look awesome. Um, I really, I you know, I'm a sucker for for the whole anodized pick card. Um, they had that with like the sunburst and maple neck on it as well. Maple fretboard. Um, yeah, that caught my eye instantly. Uh, that I was a big fan of that. Do you know what? Here, here's a confession for you. I am still yet to play LaBelle, any LaBella strings. What's that? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> do, you remember when I, do you remember when I said I was going to edit that other part out? <laughs> yeah, I'm not editing this part out. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> That professional was professional broadcaster. Like, I was like, I mean, it was, it was the floorboard. Was that the cat? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was the cat. <laughs> That's what I call it. Do you want to, Will, do you want to check? Was it just a fart? <laughs> it was the bus. No, don't show me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Incredible. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, my confession, I know what your confession is now. Mine is that I've still not played Labella Flats at all. Neither have I. Ever. So No, they're the best. 760 FS. That's still the <laughs> Of course it does. <laughs> and the S stands for shit in your pants. <laughs> Professionalism on this podcast, that's what we do. Why did you go cockney? That's what we do. That's real life down here, all right? Um, <laughs> um, so, speaking of... Uh, British, what sounds more British than a British name like Martin? Uh, Martin, that was the best segue you've ever heard, okay? That Shut was up. really good. Um, it's a shame I'm going to edit that out. Oh, come on. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not. Martin, uh, famous acoustic brands have brought out a junior bass. So I'm guessing it's a short-scale acoustic bass. And I can 
uh, here, if he's listening, uh, Andrew, aka uh, AMP, the bass player, I'm absolutely choking at this with his absolute love of acoustic basses. Um, yeah, they've, they've brought out uh, what is probably a very expensive acoustic bass, which I won't be touching with a with a ten foot barge pole. But um, hey, if that's what you're after, that's what you're after. Now, Will, is that your cat or is that your bum? <laughs> that is my cat. Okay, just check. Yeah, any comments about the Martin before we move on? No. Good. No. Good. Oh. Speaking of acoustic basses, though, there was one, one uh, I would say, significant thing that I that I played in the boutique area, and that was the bass. B-A-C-E. I know what you're talking about. This is, that has, like, the cello body and then the bass neck, fretless. Yeah. Um, I thought, so... Initially, I thought it was going to be more of a gimmick, kind of like the Big Johnson, but no, it was really, really good. It played superbly. It was really comfortable. Was it really? But what stood out to me was the electronics. It has three pickups. It has a piezo pickup in the bridge. It has a special pickup that picks up the vibration in the wood of the body, uh, in the body wood. And then it has a microphone pickup kind of like at the neck joint. And you have individual volume knobs for each, as well as a master volume. Uh, before we finish off, then lastly, I saw some cool new stuff from Vintage. Um, they have got a new 51-style P-Bass, if you're after a, an alternative to a Squire classic vibe. That might be something worth looking at. They had a new signature, like Paisley-style bass as well. Um, and the other thing that I saw that was really interesting, and that I've just made love and appreciation for, is growing massively, is Dunnable Basses. Um, or Dunnable Guitars and their basses that they've got. Man, I want to try one of those. Um, something in a silver burst. Yes, please. Looks so good. Have you tried one before, Will? Yeah, uh, only I tried one at the show, um, but it wasn't set up that well. I wouldn't say any fault of the bass because I know, you know, a lot of these basses are coming from all over the place and you're coming maybe from one climate to another, there could be some shifting or whatever, and then people are just rushing to get their booths set up, so I don't think people are necessarily going over each instrument with the fine tooth toll. That being said, I was kind of bummed, and I wish it played better. Yeah, that, <laughs> that sucks. Um, but, you know, maybe with a good setup, it might be the one. That would be pretty cool. Um, it was a double P, too. Come on, let's let's campaign, okay, for more double P. Please, we want to see more this. PP, more please. PP, more PP, more PP, please, mummy. PP, please. Yeah, <laughs> um, because I want to, I want to try it on some, some more bases and let's that make it more accessible. Um, so that is it on my list of stuff that we saw announced. And uh, thank you so much, um, Will, for for coming on and and telling us a bit more. Um, what do you think the future holds for NAM? Is there any predictions that you think you're going to see next year? So supposedly some bigger manufacturers are going to be coming back next year. Supposedly. <laughs> Gibson Grabber confirms. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we can <laughs> think about who that's going to be. And uh, I mean, who knows? It, there's, it could be one of the big three uh, that's going to come back, and uh, I'm excited. I miss PRS bases. Yeah, that would be very cool to see uh, more of, particularly in the in the affordable range. Selfishly for me, yeah, exactly. They, they did two a while ago, like the Kingfisher and the something, and then they just never really and the Kestrel, and they just never 
I don't know if they're still around, but I always thought they looked really cool. Yeah, I just don't see them anymore. I feel like the Kestrels sold pretty well as well, because I saw loads oh, okay. about. Um, yeah, because I like PRS. Yeah. I had a lot of PRS guitars. They're really good. Yeah, me too. Mm, yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, lovely. Let's tie things up there, I think. Um, yes. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you want to submit questions for this podcast, you can do so over on Instagram at Johnny Dibble, at that guy on bass for Chris. Uh, go and give us a follow. Keep an eye out on our Instagram stories to see um, us posting and you can submit your questions there like you normally would for this podcast. Like we said, this one's a little bit different. Very special guest. Uh, if there's any other guests you want to see on this podcast, reach out, let us know. Um, because it's definitely something that we'd like to uh, see more of moving forward. Um, yeah, uh, Chris, or in fact, I'll, I'll wait for Will to come back and then we'll do... Uh... Oh, yeah, here. Okay. Um, well, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Low and Lobster, or just go to lowandlobster.com. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I'm sure everybody listening is already aware of you. <laughs> but if they're not, absolutely go and check out Will's channel. One of, if not the best out there. Um, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me on the usual big social media sites under that guy on base, Instagram, TikTok. That's kind of it, really. I would ask very nicely if you could go onto YouTube and search for my channel under that guy on base. There are no videos and there is almost nothing to entertain you in any way. But if you if you could subscribe anyway, that'd be nice. Lovely, lovely. Um, yeah, for me, like I said, Instagram and hit that subscribe button over on YouTube forward slash Johnny Dibble. Uh, well, thanks again so much for coming on. Um, absolute pleasure as always sir, to have you on. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.